ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? It's time for Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney dressed up as the wrath of God for Halloween. Tyler is the new Karen in Clemson world. Clemson is eight turnovers away from having eight less turnovers. They're four and four instead of eight and no, and life is good. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. We're here to recap the NC State game. I don't even know what the score was. It was 24 to 17. Didn't have to go to overtime this time to lose this one though. Ben here with you tonight. I'm joined by Tyler, also known as Jarrett. Jarrett, what the hell is going on with Clemson football right now? Benjamin, there's an old adage. It's called beating a dead horse. And I would say that if we were to hit this horse one more time, it, atoms would fuse and create a nuclear explosion. We've beat this horse so much. So we're going to try to stay chipper. Allegedly, my alias did call in. Can't prove that. Can't deny that. But I just want to say that we're here to try to bring a little bit of levity and some different points of view on making sense of what happened to this team this season. Yeah, Jared and... Well, for starters, um, I didn't get to really see the game this past weekend because it was on the CW network, and apparently nobody in South Carolina gets the CW. So thank you, Mr. Phillips, the ACC. Um, So, you know, I got to see bits and snippets of it. Obviously, I've read up a bunch on it, and we can look at the stats, and it just seemed more the the, the same thing from Clemson on the offensive side of the ball, the turnovers and everything. But that's no longer the big story of the week, right? And we only need to talk about these types of losses right now so much. But I think we're at the point, and I was there a couple of games ago, where it is clear and obvious that this Clemson football team and this current season uh, for Clemson football is well below the, this, the expectations and the standards set by Dabo and this Clemson program, you know, over the better part of the last decade. Now, I think what I what I want to talk about in this episode, because you're right, we've beaten this dead horse and apparently the dead horse's name was Tyler. Um, You've all heard about Tyler from Spartanburg and his call in to Dabo Sweeney's uh, call in radio show last night, which honestly, I didn't even realize he had one um, because I care about Clemson football, but not to the point where I'm going to sit around and wait to call into a, to a radio show to talk to him, Um, especially not talk to him in that manner. Um, now don't get me wrong. I think there's a little bit of Tyler in all of us. Um, and I would encourage everybody to not just take the words verbatim that you see from the call transcript. You actually listen to the nature of that call. And I I think we can start here, but we'll eventually navigate into a broader, broader view, um, of the state of the Clemson program. And I think my, my, my thesis and Jared, I think you're thinking along the same, same lines is that, you know, nobody, the the 1.5% of Clemson, and maybe that's who he's talking about, but the 98.5%, um, as Dabo mentioned, they may still support him, and I think we all do, 
Um, but I think it's legitimate for us to have questions. Nobody by any means wants him fired. There are the rare few, the rare exceptions. Um, doesn't sound like even that Tyler necessarily wanted him fired. It's probably went about it the wrong way. Um, at the same time, um, and I kind of don't blame Dabo for this, but when it first came out, I'm like, does this look very good on the school? Like your head coach kind of popping off like that against a fan. So I, I have mixed um, feelings there. So Jared, what's kind of your, your take from all this? And then let's bring everybody back down to earth and talk about, you know, where this team is, where this program is and how we're probably not mm -hmm. doomed for the next five years. Like a lot of people think. Hmm. Yes. The saga of, Tyler, what a chapter in Clemson football it's already been over the last 24 hours. Um, <clears throat> I would say first, the way this team has performed, as you mentioned, I just want to touch on that real quick. And we really don't look super hyperbolic and reactionary if you listen to our recap of the Duke game. Because what I've seen from the team this season, the Duke game was a microcosm of what this team has done all year. It's like moments where they're driving and like looking pretty sharp. And then unbelievably bad luck and bad decision-making and not being in the right place at the right time. Um, just things that you just absolutely scratch your head at. And like, how was this the Clemson team? I remember watching that game uh, and just thinking like, it, it feels like we've been cursed. Like this, this is not the team that I thought we were going to get. But then when the season has gone on, We've shown flashes, but we also keep making the same mistakes over and over. The offensive line is still not getting pushed. The Cade is still looking like a very talented um, kid playing above his skis. And so when you get that, it's like you, you get this team that's just – it's like they're, they're firing on four of their eight cylinders and not even a good four, not even a – in, in order to where it kind of makes some kind of rhythm. They're just sporadically firing at times. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um, it's dead horsepower. It, it's dead horsepower. Exactly. So, so what we saw in Duke, we thought was maybe like, wow, maybe we should have had a bad game, but that seems like who we are. And it's crazy to think that like we spent all off season hearing about how fast this team was, how great this team was. I talked to a buddy of mine who played D1 football, and I was like, yeah, the coach said we had 8 to 10 O linemen and that um, we could play any of them. And he's like, if your coach says you have 8 to 10 linemen, you don't have an offensive line. Like they, That means they don't know who they're going to play. So, Well, that's true. <laughs> um, started, started I think they knew who like... they were going to play at the beginning of the season, but then that story changed quickly. Um, especially after yeah, walking parks, parks went down, which I don't think we've touched enough and emphasized enough on this show as being um, really hugely important to to the offensive line and their woes so far this season. But you touched on several points there that I think is um, you know pulls us back in um, to the to the whole Dabo versus the fan debate, which is what I really see this as right now. And I, I think one of the things, there are a couple of things that you brought up that really has frustrated a lot of fans, even the well-meaning and supportive fans. Again, like nobody wants Dabo fired. Anybody that wants Dabo or talks about Dabo being fired this year or next year, even the year after that, like they're, they're you know, probably an idiot. Um, now, but it's certainly okay for fans. This is sports. It's a competitive thing mm -hmm. uh, to question and criticize. That's the nature of the beast. That's what we do. We, you know, fans pay a lot of money to support programs 
and go to the games, um, you know, and have their, you know, cable packages. Uh, so, you know, networks will cover it. And eventually that all goes back to the school. So, yes, for as much as Dabo's done, he's brought a lot of uh, great pu- publicity um, to the university, really put Clemson out there. But I think what he shouldn't forget is the fans are a big part of that, too. They were there before him. They'll be there after him. Um, now in Dabo's, you know, defense, I, you know, the the way he was talked to was certainly disrespectful. If you saw Larry Williams from Tiger Illustrator came out and did a interview with this guy um, where he essentially, you know, apologized and walked, not necessarily walked back what he said, but certainly said he should be more tactful with it. But, you know, still as a head coach, this what second or third highest head paid, uh, paid head coach in the country don't you really think that you would expect a more reserved response or, I mean, we, we've mentioned it several times, you know, on the show feeling like Dabo tends to have some thin skin and doesn't handle, handle criticism mm-hmm. well, especially from the fan base. Um, but would you expect more out of him in that situation? Good question. I mean, Dabo's always, without a doubt, you can always say that he's somebody who wears his heart on his sleeve and, I think something that's always been interesting to me, really, you know, the the first Natty we won, his post-game interview was, like, so emotional. And it's like, I remember after the second one, it was like, it kind of almost felt like business as usual. And I feel like over the last four or five years, like, we haven't really gotten any, like, classic BYOG or the after the Auburn game and, like, any of those types of stuff. So I kind of wonder if he's kind of like that, um, that South Carolina rant that was a, a plant that they had somebody say on purpose so he could ramble about – um, beating South Carolina or all that good stuff. But it's, it almost felt like he used this moment to just get a lot of shit off of his chest that he's had on his chest for a while. I still believe that he is an extremely smart, hardworking, talented person and that he sees what we see. Like he knows when O-linemen can't block their assignment. He knows when wide receivers can't get separation. But he's so going to defend his guys to the last – uh, to the last breath that like when all this stuff piles up and piles up, it's like, I think that Tyler guy just got under his skin and yeah, his, his skin was thin and he, you know, ripped his head off. Did he need to not necessarily, but um, yeah, I mean the, what, what goes into doing his job and to get from where he came from is, is crazy. I mean, it was more entertaining that he kind of ripped his head off there, but again, I think about, you know, all the text messages I started getting like, uh, What do you think of this by Dabo? Now, apparently, like, national <laughs> media uh, folks at large, after listening to it, mm-hmm. kind of went on Dabo's side. And sure, I can certainly see that. Um, mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. Dabo sees and knows, sees the same things we see. He knows more than mm-hmm. we do. And he knew about all of this. And I think if he's worth his weight, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as a head coach, like he saw all of this last year at the end of last year and in the off season, um, mm-hmm. us being this bad, I don't think has necessarily surprised him as much as he lets on. Um, mm-hmm. And as fans, we start to see that, you know, we don't start to see that until we get into the season. And mm-hmm. the only thing we have to base our expectations on prior to that is the words that are coming out of his mouth and his coach speak in fall camp leads us to think this team is going to be better than it is. Now I'm totally 
you know, all for like supporting your team and talking your guys up and trying to motivate them in public and everything. Mm -hmm. But I, I think fans, um, desire a little bit more honesty like coming out of Dabo so I think there's a balance there that he is yet to strike um, and then also once you do get into the season I think what fans feel really insulted about is when you kind of try to keep throwing at us well you know if one for the turnovers we'd be eight no or we're eight turnovers <clears throat> away or eight plays away from being eight no and it's like it's not that simple dude actually if we were better in the red zone we may have less fumbles because we wouldn't have to run it try to run it three or four times to get it in you get it in on the first time right so less mm -hmm. opportunities for fumbles so is it a is it fumbles or it's our inability to get anything done in the red zone or is it our quarterback um, you know, go sit step further back is not making good uh, decisions or is the offensive line not giving enough time? Have the wide receivers not developed like they should have to where they become a, a big threat and consistently get open. So it's, it's not the fumbles, dude. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. just that, right? There's other things causing those fumbles that yes. Okay. If you take away one turnover a game, um, maybe you could put us at eight. No, but it's not that black and white and cut and dry. And, and that I think fans see through, or at least knowledgeable fans see through, and they feel a little mm -hmm. bit insulted and offended. They'd be like, dude, you're just straight up lying to us. That's what we're seeing this year is like we, and by we, I mean like people that have some amount of knowledge to a lot of knowledge about the sport of football that can watch the team and be like, oh, okay, like this, these are like some problems that I see with the team. And then, yeah, when the coach comes out and it's like, we're just a couple plays away from being 3-0 and or 5-0 and or 8-0 or whatever, 7-1, and it's like, take away all the turnovers that we've had, and I still don't think we're undefeated. You take away every single turnover, and I still don't think we're undefeated. Um, maybe, but it's, it's beyond that. Because even if we are undefeated, it's like we're, we're so not good on offense and in the red zone, like almost the worst in the country – that like we're never going to be able to compete outside the ACC in like a playoff game or something like that against like a really good team in, in all three phases. So yeah, it, it does feel insulting. And I think what you're seeing for the first time since we've been fans and since Clemson's gone up and down the mountain is like the normal to mediumly informed fans are starting to feel that too what we felt years ago where we're like, Hey, this isn't right. Like, why are we doing this? They're lying to us. Like about all this stuff, like this isn't what's best for the program. So it's starting to spread. And that's why you have, you know, a guy who just left the beacon after getting some chicken tenders and a sweet tea and then calls up, um, you know, Davos hotline and, and gives him, tries to give him the business, you know? Yeah. I feel like Ron Cherry would have done a better job than Tyler did. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, that's another great point. Like when Dabo tells us, listen, 10 win season last year, ACC championship and 10 win season the year before that. And all these years in a row, it's like, OK, well, not all those years are created equal. And there has been a noticeable mm -hmm. decline, you yeah. know, since 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. DJ era started off. We had that rough start um, to, to that season last year, obviously starting eight and oh on our way mm -hmm. to an ACC championship and this year not going great. But you look at the last two years, like how would you fare in the SEC or the big 10, right? Are yeah. you going to start the season eight? No, last year, probably not. Like, you know, you can tell me all the, 
all the statistical facts and everything that you want me to and come up with any number to, mm-hmm. to, to tell your narrative, but I got eyes, right? Like the eye test yeah. tells me I've seen really, really great football at Clemson in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016, 2018. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what those years taught me is to really, A, I appreciated those moments. I still appreciate those mm-hmm. moments. I appreciate that everything that Dabo did mm-hmm. to get us there, mm-hmm. and I have confidence that he can get us back. But what it told me is I know what a championship caliber football team looks like. I see yeah. it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. I've been to four different national championship games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes. And I have not seen a team on this field the last three years anywhere close to that. So you can tell me the statistics mm-hmm. like we were this and that. I'm like, but we're not, we're not, yeah. we're not yeah. that level. So and but I'm still I'm, I'm happy that we've got those 10 win seasons right i that the the fun is in the sure. certainly rather win um against <laughs> you know even if they're bad teams but yeah i mean mm-hmm. I, again i think that's kind of the thing i mean to your point that rubs people a little long way too is um he seems to be ignoring the fact that there has been a decline now to be fair i think he's known about it he's just mm-hmm. been trying to protect his players and coaches yes um all that's great really well said and I think the average fan is starting to remember those teams from 15 to 20, 15 to 19 even, and go, oh, we don't look and feel anything like that. I mean, I remember the the Georgia game when we were playing the Georgia game and watching us struggle mightily against Georgia. Immediately, one of my best friends texted me and was like, it's over. I can already see it. Like the dynasty's over. And I'm like, no, you're being crazy. And then it's like, it, you see where it's like slowly rotted from the inside out. I think what Dabo does is he throws this nostalgic pocket sand in our eyes. Whenever we start to like look too closely at like why we're not getting the results, even like the results that we were getting two or three years ago, like with, with the end of Trevor and, you know, DJ much less like the natty like championship teams. It's like, so we've got this like nostalgic pocket sand to distract us Um you know, while he posts a video of him telling the team like, oh, y'all are on the clock. You know, now's the time. You know, every team's uh, every class is one a natty, you know, except this one. So you're on the clock and then saying, you know, well, we'll we've had all these 10 win seasons. And it's like as fans, we're extremely appreciative. We have to be extremely appreciative of that. And it's just a matter of like you see someone doing things that is slowly pulling apart the thing that they built so methodically so with so much heart and soul and blood sweat and tears and other people's blood sweat and tears it's like you seeing them build this thing and then you're slowly watching them kind of like like jenga like just slowly taking pieces away from their own you know thing that they've constructed it's like eventually the shit's gonna fall over and implode and that's exactly what we get this year yeah and i think you know to kind of speak against the fan that might think that way. I don't think we're in any sort of predicament right now where, mm-hmm. where everything that all the effort, all the blood, sweat and tears you mentioned and everything that Dabo put into this to build it up is going to simply be knocked all the way back down to start over with a year mm-hmm. like this. And even some of the distractions and not great, maybe headlines that are coming out of it. Um, I think that we need to give 
Dabo credit where credit is due and the benefit of the doubt in the fact that he has established a long lasting culture, a very much ingrained culture um, at Clemson that's in, you know, his, you know, in, you know, in his vision, right, of what he wants it mm-hmm. to be. He's built the facilities. He's created that culture, and that's not something you're just going to knock down, you know, in one year or two year, mm-hmm. um, maybe even in the last, you know, three <laughs> years. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think we're falling, even though it seems like we've fallen far, I don't think we're nearly as far from kind of recovering, making a recovery and getting back, mm-hmm. you know, into a playoff caliber team within the next couple of years. You know, I think it's totally possible. And I still would give Dabo the benefit of the doubt. I don't agree with everything he says or the way he goes about the, doing them. I don't agree that this is about the best coaching staff he's ever had. I mean, I mm-hmm. just, I don't think he believes that either. No. Um, no. But those are, you know, and I, again, I think that's what rubbed people the wrong way is that we've we've seen it enough from Dabo of him saying things like that now that we're like, ah, mm-hmm. dude, I yeah, I don't, I don't, probably not the best. Yeah, he's been able to get away with saying that kind that's of stuff because we were still winning. Was the best. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's the other thing. This is the first time we've gone through actual where you see four losses, right? Um, at this mm-hmm. you know part of the season up on uh, um you know, in the, in, in the loss column. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now November, people yeah. have legitimate um, reason, or they feel like they have license now to gripe because of that. But and to your point, a lot of these things, th- this just didn't happen in a vacuum, right. One year, mm-hmm. like we just hit rock bottom. Like it's been slowly coming <clears throat> to this. And I also like to point out, I don't, I don't, how do we define rock bottom? Right. Cause mm-hmm. Uh, is it getting killed by Notre Dame this weekend? Is it losing to South Carolina? I think it's more so like rock bottom is kind of, it's not a singular point, right? It's a journey. Mm-hmm. You're getting dragged across the bottom for a while. And I currently think we're being dragged across the bottom. I hope we're being dragged across the bottom and we're not just <laughs> on a, you know, continental shelf about to um, dive yeah. off into uh, the abyss. Um, but I don't think the path back to being a really good and elite football team is that, is that long? So many things to play there, Ben. I mean, I think that. Um, well, don't get me wrong. Let me let me where, qualify where that, even that. Start. Let me <clears throat> put in the caveat that I do think mm-hmm. that Dabo needs to adjust to the new game of college football. I think he needs mm-hmm. to adjust his coaching staff and some of his philosophy around that. But mm-hmm. I don't think we've fallen so far, and I think he's capable of doing that. That I think the path back you know, is not nearly as far as or as long as most people think it might be. Sure. I I think one thing we forget or t- we've all taken for granted in hindsight, how easy it felt to just like run up and then grab two natties. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, what the hell happened? Why do we, why are we sucking? But like, we forget about, you know, 11, 12, 13, like wondering is like, we're up and down, up and down, super sporadic. And then, 14, you know, we have Cole, Deshaun gets hurt, and it's like 15, we're like, oh, so, so much time went into that. But like, in hindsight, it's like, we did it. Why can't we do it again? We should carbon copy this. Uh, You know, obviously different eras of college football already. I just want to stand for Dabo for a second, because we give him a lot of grief, because he does make $10 million a year, which I did the quick math, and allegedly in South Carolina, that's about $20,000 after tax a day um that he makes so i'm sure it's probably more than that when you do fancy financial stuff that's not the point 
The point is how improbable it is for so much of his life story to come together to be where he is. And I might lose some people with this that are upset with him, but I just want to, as someone who's been negative towards the guy a lot this season, to come from this really troubled background, to go to a university, the University of Alabama, to walk on a football, have to share a bed with your mom, you know, to be an assistant coach, to give up on that, get your MBA, and then be a real estate agent, and then get called back into coaching, and be the interim coach that like 129 of 129 interim coaches have never been named head coach. And he was the, what, one of the first, if not the first guy to do it. And then to build a program from 08, 09, all the way to, you know, 2020, basically, 2018 at least, and to like have that level of success, the amount of work and creativity and, you know, communication and like team building and leadership and like all of these tenacious things that the most brightest people that I know, like could never do because of how much work it takes and, you know, hundred hour weeks for a decade. Right. And I just want to say like how much we as fans should not underappreciate the work that this one guy has done kind of building this program into what it is. And nationally we've had such a great name to most of the entire world of, of college football and college sports. So like, if Dabo goes away, like it's, it's, we're in, we're in the wilderness again after that. So that's why it's like, we believe in him because he's shown he can do it. He's shown he can adapt. It's just, we're kind of like that parent that's looking at their kid and saying like, come on, like, I know you can do this. Like you have the talent, you've done this before. You just need to get your shit together um, and do that. But I, I just, I have to stand for the guy for a minute and say, we got to be super appreciative of the massive improbability for the guy with that background to be a two-time national championship winning team at a, at a place like Clemson. And it is tempting to be mad and kind of want to like throw him out with the bathwater after a couple of rough years and a bad year this year. But like, we have to, I mean, we have to just keep the faith, honestly. Yeah. Anybody who can't handle a four win season, let's say we don't win out the rest of the year, never experienced life prior to Dabo probably or definitely not prior mm -hmm. to Bowden. Um, yeah. So it's certainly tolerable for a year if you, if, you know, mm -hmm. if you have to, you know, you might spend a little bit less money on the weekend, might have a little bit more free time on your hands, especially if you don't get the CW. Get um, the whole month of December back. Yeah. You get the whole month of December back. I remember that exactly like during the playoff run, you know, going to, 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 um, like Glendale, in mm -hmm. 15 and then to uh like miami uh, for the uh, orange ball yeah jacksonville right not jacksonville mm -hmm. uh tampa tampa uh, tampa in 16 and mm -hmm. um you know all those trips after that and everything but at least in those first few sitting there thinking to myself and you look ahead and you're like okay we got trevor lawrence coming and then trevor lawrence mm -hmm. is here and 2018 happens you're like wow and then you get dj coming and then you're like oh my god I see the tape of him I'm like when is this ever going to mm -hmm. end like there was legitimately mm -hmm. a time where it was like I don't know if when is this going to end like I I can't yeah. go home for Christmas anymore because I live on the west coast mm -hmm. and I have to go to the, the natty you know so that's yeah. what I budget my time for my expenses and everything and you're like you know you get ready to buckle in and then all of a sudden it's over and it peters out right and that's mm -hmm. how it generally happens you know mm -hmm. you're never going to be on top forever um, and mm -hmm. you are going to have lulls. And I think that's where we're at right now. Um, to your point, 
what Dabo, you know, Dabo's, uh, you know, life stories, upbringing and everything. And he's not shy about telling you apparently that he's never failed anything in his life. Um, <laughs> and accomplishing something he set out for, but that is, that's, I, I know a lot of people will call that arrogance and it probably is a little bit of arrogance and ego, but it's what I wanted my football coach. And that's why I believe yeah. he, he can bring us back there. He's just going to have to, I mean, he's going to have to adapt and do, you know, do things his way, but that, uh, that keep, the program up with every other college team in, in the sport, especially as we move into this era of 12 team playoff and conferences, mm -hmm. you know, going haywire. Now I'm not saying, you know, pull a guy from Chippendales and send him to opposing teams benches or uh, opposing teams games <laughs> to, to steal their signals. And really, I mean, I joke about that, but aren't you glad that's not Dabo? Like, aren't you yep. so glad that we don't have a coach that would tolerate that crap? Um, yeah. And so, but there's some give and take there, right? He's not going to necessarily mm -hmm. do those dirty things. And I guess, you know, he's going to need some time to figure out this new landscape of college football and how to adapt it to his system. We're not going to be in Alabama where we just win, 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 win every year. And in our down years, we lose two, maybe three games mm -hmm. tops. Like it's obvious we're not going to be that. And that's fine. And I think as fans, we need to accept that. Um, but we also just want to hear a little bit of truth from our head coach um, to reassure us in that. Totally right. I mean, a question for you is say Nick Saban doesn't exist and Bama just has like a, you know, a good coach like LSU or Ole Miss or whoever's had, right? Um, how do our expectations change as fans? Because I'll start and say like, we don't say it directly, but every, it feels like we kind of start to shift ourselves. We're like, where are we at? And then where's Saban at? And where's Bama as a program at? Where, like you said, they have a bad season and they, they sneak their way into the natty and win it somehow because they didn't go to the SEC championship game. Um, so just curious your thoughts there. Like, would our, would our expectations be any different if there wasn't someone like Nick Saban? Um. Yeah, I stopped trying to do that a long time ago, though, compare the two. I mean, it became very obvious that they were just two different ways in, in the manner in which that they ran their programs. I mean, you see Nick Saban just cycling it coaches um, mm -hmm. out every single year. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times because they had a lot of success and those coaches go end up, you know, getting NFL jobs or better college jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Nick Saban has to replace him. And when he does replace him, he goes out and gets the best he can find. Whereas Dabo, um, kind of preaches that continuity of the team, the continuity of the culture, you know, the first group of coaches through the, you know, the 16 and the 18 team or 16 teams definitely had been together for a good bit. You have some losses mm -hmm. there. You come back and win really on the shoulders of, of uh, Trevor, Travis, um, T and Justin there in mm -hmm. 2018. Um, but you know, Dabo's hesitancy to to buy into the fact or actually put himself out there to go get a top caliber guy. He's been hesitant mm -hmm. to do that because I think of fear of the turnover, but that's backfired somewhat. Again, I think there's a middle ground. Let's go the, and I think he started to do that turnaround with, with Lincoln Riley, um, Garrett Riley, sorry. Um, with Garrett, I think that's a guy, he's hot right then, mm -hmm. snatch him up, best coordinator hire in college football in the off season with the understanding mm -hmm. that that guy's going to be here. If he's any good, he's going to be here three, four years tops. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of the, you know, 
the guy, the three to four year guy, even a, maybe two on the shorter end, I think you can go and yeah. get those guys and maintain continuity with the culture and the program. And, and you'll mm-hmm. ultimately have more success than kind of taking a flyer, you know, on a guy that's going to be around eight years, but that's because he's learning how to coach from scratch. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, what you kind of did was my point, right? Where it's like, we look at what Dabo's doing and what is Saban doing? Like Saban's able to just like cycle people through and he'll go out and find the best people. Um, and I think it's because of that, we look at what Dabo does and then we look at what Saban does or any other like top coach. And it's like, oh yeah, they're filling their shelves with the top coaching talent and stuff like that. Um, it just seems... Like that's what's frustrating is like we're at 95% of what we could be doing. And that last 5% is really not that unreachable, but it's making a big difference that we're not going after that. You know, those, those, that 5% of stuff. I mean, Davos are in the right at this point to do things his way and live and die by his own sword. Um, true. True. And I, I think we're a long ways away. Uh, I think we're st- Several losing seasons it would take, and we still haven't had one yet, to be fair. Um, um, at least since the you know the playoff run started in 15, um, but several away from any legitimate talk, um, at least within the board of trustees, the athletic department, the president of the university, and everything of Davo actually being let go. Fans, mm-hmm. there'll be a certain group of fans that are going to chatter that after every <clears throat> bad half season or bad you know, full season. Right. Um, and that's just going to happen again. That's the nature of the beast. And I just wish Dabo would mm-hmm. not let those things get to him and antagonize that even small percentage of fans. Because even though if we think this guy was out of line, there's still a lot of legitimate questions there that he asked and we've all wanted to know the answer to. And part of the problem mm-hmm. is, the the sports media atmosphere and environment around the Clemson football program is very timid, right? Like those beat writers do not ask the tough questions. Finally, and I I love what you know Tiger Illustrated and the things that Larry Williams and Paul Strilo do and write about. You know, very entertaining, keeping entertained in the off season. But it wasn't until after this NC State game where they mm-hmm. came out with their article and they were like, okay, yeah, fair to criticize all these things. Well, they wouldn't have probably felt that way three games ago. Or maybe they did personally. Actually, they probably do. They're just not going to mm-hmm. go out and say it because you don't want to draw Dabo's ire. Um, so Your I do think, literal job is on the line. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit suppression of the the media there or kind of directing – orchestrating the narrative um and so i think that part of it's frustrating too to where we when we do hit rock bottom and finally Dabo comes out and says okay something's wrong a good percentage of the fan base are like what you're just now seeing this like or they they feel mm-hmm. like he just now saw it because the first time he's admitting it when in reality Dabo's seen this coming i think he's seen the cracks in the foundation for 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 i don't know how long but a hell of a lot longer than we we have yeah he definitely has. And, you know, I think it is fair to be critical um, just because like you said, it's like, we're no longer like, we know what excellent teams look like and we know when we don't see it. And then we feel like we're being misled. And then that, you know, it, it builds distrust and it's not like, 
oh, the fans don't trust the coach. So like, it's not that it's going to make a big deal in a short term, but like long term, that leads to like fewer people wanting to go to games and like, you know, recruits, families being sub- subjected to lots of whispers from dirty, not even dirty, but just like, you know, other coaches that are recruiting against us and stuff like that. And it's like Dabo's earned the right, like you said, to live and die by his sword. You know, it seems like, and I've said this before as a joke, where it's like originally his goal was to come in, transform the program, and build us back to championship football. And we did that twice. And it seems like in no bad way, like he said, okay, well, like I've done this. What's the next big crazy thing that I can do to like leave a legacy? And it was like, if I can create a program that turns out championship caliber players and coaches, even if it will be rocky for a while, as we figure this, you know, process out, just like it was from 09 to 15. So it's like, are we in the 09 to 15 of him building this coaching pipeline that he apparently dreams of and stuff? And the problem is that you've taken that house and you've removed the support beams and you've replaced them with toothpicks and you're watering them just like hoping they grow into, you know, to steel beams or something like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a risk and a gamble that he's built the, um, you know, rapport or he's filled the cup enough to be able to kind of do these crazy ideas. But, you know, is that what we're going to do is just live and die by him wanting to try this idea and, what do you think? No, I because I don't think that. I mean, he he clearly is uncomfortable with losing and having to answer questions mm-hmm. about about losing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think Dabo is going to stand for that, and I I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna stand by his convictions, but figure out, be creative, and figure out how to again navigate this new college football landscape in a way that still fits his morals or his vision of how a college football program should be run. Mm-hmm. And because he is a bit unorthodox in that method, and again, that unorthodox method is what got mm-hmm. Clemson to the top of the mountain in the first place, um, it is going to take some time to adjust. And I to- think it's totally fair for him to ask the <clears throat> fan base, like, hey, be patient. Like, there's going to be a reset period, but we'll get back there. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's justified in asking for that. And I think um, that his expectations that fans should be understanding of that are by no means a stretch, right? Um so again, I, I think it's a, a little bit of both here. Um, I just w- really wish that even if he says it's the 1.5% of fans or he's attacking this, not attacking, I mean, this, you know, Mr. Tyler kind of brought it on himself, but when he reacts in that way, like it makes it sound to the rest of the country that this is how all Clemson fans are. And that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Like nobody mm-hmm. wants Dabo fired. Do people think we should uh, do a better job of looking into the portal? Absolutely. Do mm-hmm. people think maybe there could have been some better roster management um, because a lot of the gaps and depth gaps we have, or there should have been better talent evaluation or that, that maybe better coaching would take this roster that was like ranked as like the fifth or sixth best ro- roster at the beginning of the season in all of college football and do better than four and four at this point in the season. I think those are reasonable expectations for people, but when it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. let's not overreact and, you know, throw in the towel and say, we're done with Dabo. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't think a lot of, I don't think there's many people doing that, but when you hear these things and this is the thing that goes out um, in the national media, it, it kind of makes us as fans. It kind of reflects that way on, on all of us as fans. And maybe I'm being <laughs> too sensitive to that because when I go out in the real world, nobody cares. 
Like if I wear a Clemson yeah. in a city, I don't, I don't live in nobody's, <laughs> nobody's coming up to yeah. me going to mention this. And people have a short, um, uh, attention span, you know, they'll forget about this in three weeks and maybe hell mm-hmm. we'll get some new clips for our, for our Mario brothers Dabo intro, because <laughs> like you said, it's been a while since we got some good takes like that. It has. I mean, you know, I forget stuff all the time midway through talking on the podcast. I'm like, what, what point am I trying to make here? And so, yes. Um, here we go. I mean, we're, we're kind of just in this next chapter where we are now going to see who Dabo is through the rest of the season. You know, can he keep the chin up? Can he not blame the fans or like seem to get defensive? And um, yeah, I think that there's a good chance that we end five and seven at best six and six. Um, but yeah, if we, if we go four and eight, then that's, that is what it is. And we've got December to, Get, we've got December back and then we'll be able to just focus on what do we need to focus on? Um, you know, reevaluating some philosophies internally. Um, but yeah, it's like, we're never going to get this like magic situation where bam, we replace strength and conditioning with who we think we need. Bam. We replace, you know, six of the <clears throat> 10 coordinators with who we think that we need. And bam, we're now using the portal and bam, we're now using NIL you know, with all this money and stuff like that, like we'll get maybe not after this year, small changes, but we're going to get incremental changes as he readapts his philosophy. I mean, it's kind of like a kid that's playing with their Legos and they're not done. It's like, if you tell them like, Hey, put that up, like they're going to, they're not just going to do that. Like they're, he's built something very methodically over the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it's been. And so he's not just going to like roll over and say, I was wrong. Fans are right. But he isn't dumb. Like we've said, so he's going to, methodically start making um, choices to improve the program. I mean, that's kind of what we have to hope for. I mean, yeah. worst case is he just kind of, he, he makes one or two small changes and then like, you know, nothing really changes for next year. And, you know, I think he already knows what those changes need to be. I think he had an inkling of it coming into the season. Um, mm-hmm. And he said as much that he knows what they are. And to mm-hmm. me, what it all boils down to, it's not, NIL, it's not transfer portal. It comes down to the coaching staff. That is the most obvious thing um, mm-hmm. to me when you look at the experience on that staff versus the staff we had in 2015 and 2016 um, mm-hmm. and how we've been trending since this staff, the current version has been in place. I mm-hmm. And when you look at the stats from the, well, not the, the eye test number one, but then the stats from game to game this year and how, you know, pretty much in every game we're like, we've, we've got more offensive production except for points. Mm-hmm. We've got more turnovers. We're failing in the red zone. And that again, mm-hmm. to me, all comes down to coaching. Like Dabo knows that he's not going to throw these coaches under the bus especially not in the middle of the year and he's not firing somebody Mm -hmm. in the middle of the year. So Mm -hmm. he just has to kind of grit and bear it in the meantime. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's what he's doing. And whether last night's episode was planted, I don't think it was a plan. I think this is a real guy. I think Dabo Mm -hmm. had this uh, answer and reaction scripted Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a potential question like that at some point. And, you know, this guy just hit every tiger net message board narrative all in one. And Dabo was completely ready for all. Not the hero we need, but the hero we deserve. 
whatever the quote is from Batman. That's what people are saying. <laughs> well, either way, again, I think I think Dabba knows what these changes are, and I think, again, I think it's a balance. Mm-hmm. I think part of it's on Dabo, and I think part of it's on us as the fan base with maybe um, not having a true understanding about how things work um, mm-hmm. or, you know, how he does things within his program or pretending like we're seeing, we're learning all this stuff at the same time he is because we're yeah. not, he's known this stuff for a while. Now, as far as the appreciation part of it, um, again, I don't, I don't, know why you bring that up and pin it on the fans and when you say you'll go somewhere else you know if it's not here you'll go somewhere else where people appreciate you it's college football dude like you know you're appreciated in other places just like you are here to this certain faction of the fans based on your winning mm-hmm. um and, and losing percentage right and if you think you go to mm-hmm. alabama and you're going to have a four and four uh you know september and october and you're not going to be feeling yeah. heat you're going to be feeling <laughs> more heat there yeah so you're gonna be feeling a lot more heat than heat in Tuscaloosa if you're four and four. And uh ooh. so yeah, I mean you go to South Carolina, they'll appreciate you for four and four. Honestly, four and four in South Carolina and they'll name a building after you. Yeah. Yeah. Might rename exactly. the city after you. Honestly, I I think that they'd probably just change the zip code to just Dabo's like social security the last five or seven digits or whatever. I don't know how zip codes work. I'm not a civil engineer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they determine them either. (laughs) Well, you know, who knows? Only, only the good Lord above. Isn't that right? William Christopher Sweeney. Okay, Jared. Well, we kept the horse is still dead. Might be a little bit more. Oh yeah. After that, but let's quickly take a look forward so the rest of the season, our predictions of what that might be changed drastically from game to game and now lost to <laughs> loss. <laughs> yeah, I do just want to say one thing about the NC State game. Maybe more than one because we'll probably go on a quick tangent. But real quick tangent. Of the 202 yards that they have, from what I saw, like 122 of those yards came from two plays. 50 of those yards came right after a turnover for 50 yards. And then like 72 of those yards came from a 72 yard touchdown pass where I think Jones perhaps or sure, uh, Pride just, yeah, just had a bad angle. Um, I think that was tackle. the one play, like one of the few plays I got to start watching in the fourth quarter. Once I found a brewery yeah. that had, um, I don't know, alien satellite TV has mm-hmm. a CW. Yeah. So, you know, take away, those those two plays, and are we looking and saying like, well, we looked like weird as hell on offense, but you know they only had like eighty something yards because of our defense stuffing them the whole time, and you know we won by three points or something, you know. So, I mean, we didn't look sharp. That's the problem. Is like we didn't look sharp. It didn't look like the game just like got taken from us by one or two mistakes. You know, there's. Like the offensive line, God only knows what they're doing. We, we're having great success running Mafa. We get to the goal line, and then we do three plays without him. And it's like, what are we doing? So, yeah. I, I, I've been asking that. From yeah, saw. I've been asking that all year. Why Mafa is getting Shortest game recap. 
Yeah, more more goal line touches. Um, well, we're just, I mean, the thing is with this game, it's just more of the same, you know, more of the th- same thing yeah. we talked about at Miami and Wake Forest, even though that was a win. Mm-hmm. And then hearkening back to, you know, Duke and Charles. Duke Southern. and Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. So, or the first half of Charleston Southern. Um, so, I mean, again, the, the, we are who we think we are <laughs> at this, at, at this point. Um, we, we crown are, him. yeah. Um, you can try to pin it on Cade, but still a young quarterback who's back there running for his life on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I think it should be clear to everybody at this point that it comes down to the offensive line and they're kind of the, the first, I mean, there's there. That's the first place I would start. You get mm-hmm. better offensive line blocking in both the run game and now the pass game. Um, mm-hmm. I think you see a completely different offense. I think the wide receivers um, still aren't living up to their their full potential. You know, guys like Bo, who has his drops, but then will also not hesitate to to kind of showboat. Um, you know, running backs have been a disappointment, but again, I think you'll start mm-hmm. back at the offensive line and work your way backwards there um, on the defensive yep. side of the ball. Um, but, but sorry, one more thing on the offense, but again, it was more of the same in this game. It was just turnover up. There it is. Turnover. There it is. Turnover. There it is. This is mm-hmm. how it's going to go. We're going to keep beating ourselves. Like NC state didn't do anything to win. Miami didn't do anything to win. Right. Mm-hmm. We just took the ball to the one and was like, here, <laughs> yeah, you have it, and then you, you have just it. Just run it, just run, just run. We won't chase you. Um, mm-hmm. That's all it was. Those teams, teams didn't beat us. Um, we beat ourselves. Um, yeah, as the kids say, thanks. I hate it. Defensive side of the ball. I don't know why people give him West Goodwin crap. I think he's doing just a fine job. It's in his second year as a coordinator in the defense. Like I can't again. I can't even tell how good our defense is because they haven't had a competent offense um, to help balance them. So yes, he's mm-hmm. not Brent Venables, but it's, that's the, again, the knee jerk fan reaction of being like, oh, he's got to go too because he was hired the same time Trigger was and he had no previous mm-hmm. experience. So, I mean, again, yeah. maybe it works out on defense and it doesn't work on offense. And then, then Jabbo has a 50% hit rate, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to work some magic because uh, the defense next year is going to be a lot different than it has been the last you know, anytime in the Venables era and then the last year or two. So, yeah. And uh, I, I yeah. do think again, even though I don't think it's up to this point, the portal and NIL better start looking at the portal, a lot of position groups next yeah. year, or it is going to be, I mean, again, it depends on how far he wants to, to be set back, but you can certainly go in the portal yeah, it's and it's like the problem is that like if you if you continue to not play the portal and then you have another year where like you're not really like it just cumulatively affects recruiting slowly and then you just kind of get further and further from the path to like being back on the top. It just it's like you know adds more and more time, right? Yeah. Well, and there's no bowl, you know. There well, there's a chance there may be no bowl game this year. Like you said earlier, we could be the entire month of December or starting in the, in the month of December, not have football again until next September. So we're going to have an earlier mm-hmm. start, and Debo's not going to have to fall back on ACC championship, right? Now he's going to have a yeah. four, I guess, to not make a bowl game. We'd, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd have to win none for the rest of the year because with five wins and, and good academic standing, which Clemson is, mm-hmm. you can get a bowl game. Would we go to that bowl game? Are we back in Boise, Idaho? <laughs> yeah. 
the the 3M uh, double sided sticky tape bowl. Yeah, the <laughs> Sham Wow bowl or um, flex tape, the flex tape bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. It's been an interesting season. It's given us something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and it's given everyone else something to talk about. It's funny, like we've been traumatized for years. And then now it's like you're watching all these people for the first time that are just like casual, you know, hum, you know, just like ho-hum fans. And they're like, what's happened to the team? Like people will text me and they'll be like, why does the team not look good? And it's like, where have you been for the past three plus years, five years of us making these same mistakes? We went like back to back years and didn't hire, didn't pull safeties like, you know. This has been a slow unwinding until it suddenly isn't. Well, again, back to the point I was trying to to make earlier is that we may have a head start, right, on making changes mm-hmm. this year. I think Dabo already yeah. indicated last year by not extending a lot of the contracts that every coach was kind of on a on the, on the hot seat in some sense. And Good. I think the record speaks for itself, and that's all Dabo needs mm-hmm. to – justify uh pulling the trigger he did it when we didn't think he would do it last year with garrett riley and i fully believe he's going to do it this year with a Mm -hmm. a handful at least of coaches and if he doesn't that's when i'm going to start to lose my faith but if he says he knows it's wrong um that's what i truly believe to be the thing that is Mm -hmm. the most wrong with this football team uh i can certainly be wrong but um Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel pretty confident in that assessment um and if that doesn't happen that's when i'm going to start to get concerned until proven otherwise yeah 100 percent. i think that we're all going to be still standing for Dabo, and um and uh, like throughout this season until he go like and, until this offseason like this is the biggest offseason of his career i've kind of gotten tired of saying that every year the last three years but like this truly is like if he does little to nothing like that's that's given us what we need to know if he makes even some medium scale changes like that's great large scale changes you know yeehaw but yeah like we're gonna we're gonna support him and cheer for him cheer for the team i'll always cheer for the team but it's like you know you you said you'll you'll start to really understand like are we gonna make these changes that we need to or are we just gonna you know piddle around well we will see the clock is ticking mm-hmm. on that. Um, got four games left here in the regular season. Jared, mm-hmm. again, we talked about maybe like the floor is five wins, the ceiling maybe being six, six wins. We mm-hmm. don't need to, to kind of go through every game, uh, the last four games, but let's focus on this Notre Dame game real quick. How do you think this ends up? It's a noon game in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they um, adjusted and did a different mowing pattern uh, in the red zone on the field. I don't know <laughs> if that you know is a coincidence or Dabo's like, hey, mm-hmm. you guys need to pay attention. This is where you need to hold on to the ball. The most important area to hold on to the ball. Visual cues. Um, mm-hmm. But how are you feeling about this Notre Dame game? Look, I mean, as a former uh, PhD dropout of the material science program at Clemson University, I think that the uh, the grad students there can really put together some um, some artificial stickum that's not outlawed by the NCAA, and just just give them just a little little taste on their glove 
when they're in the red zone. You know, hey, we get one game, then we get a slap on the wrist, but, you know, we need it for this game because otherwise it's a noon game and Notre Dame's coming in with a mean offensive line, a defense that's, you know, like they're not the best in the country, but like they're going to give us a handful and that they're going to absolutely push around our offensive line. So I, I think our D line and defense is going to do all they can do, but it's going to be this, the same story we've seen all year in the last couple of years where like the defense is fighting for its life. Offense just can't seem to help them enough. And um, I think that we're going to just be, be more under pressure. We're not going to be able to get, uh, I don't think Shipley will be back. That looked like a really scary concussion. Um, so it's just going to be Mafa and, um, you know, people behind him. I think it's going to, it's just going to be the same story, man. I, 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 I don't believe that's going to be a win. Yeah. I mean, at this point you'd be a fool to, to expect things to go differently than they have kind of the way that Clemson's looked the past three games and continue mm-hmm. to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, Notre Dame comes in, they have a really great defense. Their offense is a little bit suspect, probably not as good this year as we thought they would be with Sam Hartman. They are out their best uh, sophomore tight end for the rest of the year. So that'll slow them down on offense a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I think our defense can certainly keep Wake Forest in check. Um, The question Mm -hmm. is, can this Clemson football team score? I'm with you. Even if they do hold onto the ball, I still don't know if they can punch it into the end zone. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's closer than a lot of people might think, like in the range of like 24 to 13, 24 to 17 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it'll be lower scoring. And it also does make me wonder too, you know, Davos always does things with purpose. He always has a reason. Mm -hmm. Like if this rant that he went on was a way to distract uh, the conversation surrounding this current football team's performance heading into this Mm -hmm. game, um, and fire them up to go out there and win it. And if that happens, we will look back on this rant and be like, what a freaking genius. Now, he tried that last week, calling out the mm-hmm. fans before the 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 NC State game. Um, uh, or sorry, maybe that... I think that was two games before. It was two, two games yeah. ago against Miami. He's 0-2 and, since then. Yeah, then yeah. you follow up with those duds. So, um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see if there's a, yeah. there's a method to his madness there, but I, I I'm with you. I just I think we Notre Dame's too good of a football team, and this Clemson football team is just really mm-hmm. um, on the skids right now and, and reeling. Um, and yeah. you know it's going to take a lot more than a fiery speech like that to turn around. But who knows? Pulling for him. Mm-hmm. Ho- hopefully, you know they pull it out. I'm going to be <laughs> there in the stands, and I would love nothing right. more. than um, to kind of get redemption on that miserable game I went to in South Bend last year. Yeah, and you'll be there to sing the alma mater on the on the pall either way, unless you sneak away to TDs or uh, backstreets at nope. halftime. So I'll do all the, the whole things. time. Huh? I will do all the things yeah. because I am all in. You know what I mean, Jared? Uh, it's freaking all. I love in. it. I do a volunteer podcast. In. You know? Yeah. Same. That's people ask me all the time. You're like, you do what now? It's like, oh, you guys big? It's like. I mean, it, it's not what you think. <laughs> We're as big as um, you can be, you know, yeah. 1.5% of podcasts from the West Coast That's right. talking about Clemson football. Is that North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Is it Kentucky? Uh-huh. Tennessee? Yeah, leave my, leave my dad out of this. <laughs> Kentucky. Um, I do want to say that I think my score prediction is like 31-17. Notre Dame, 
I think that Morgan Stanley does make a uh, field goal for us because um, Robert Gunn is still apparently nowhere close to White's. So I don't know what the hell that says, but um, I think it'll be something like that. Like you said, not a huge, huge blowout. I know, um, you know, some people are projecting that. Check this out. Total yards for Notre Dame and Clemson. 427 for Notre Dame, 416 for Clemson. So, like, almost the same offensive um, numbers statistically. Uh, and then yards allowed, 279 for Notre Dame, and then 266 for Clemson. So, like, on paper, if you were an alien from outer space and you just saw that, you'd be like, oh, these teams are evenly matched. It, it's, a, it's a coin toss. Maybe that's why Vegas has this as, like, a one-point favorite. But I think that we just know more than that. So I just thought that was interesting. Maybe even extremely depressing. I think that line's flipped at minus three for Notre Dame. Um, Yeah. But if if I were a betting man, which I am, um, I would put your life savings on minus three. Notre Dame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm just saying, I'm also a realist and that's likely going to happen. I don't know. I just want to see this team come out for the rest of the season, no matter how bad they play, you know, how many mental mistakes, poor offensive line player turnovers. Mm-hmm. If this team is still going out there and putting in max effort and playing tough and playing mm-hmm. games close, then I'm going to feel a lot better about this season than if Dabo completely loses the team and you just see the the, the effort go out the window. So there's still that to look forward to and watch for. There's mm-hmm. still four potential wins on the regular season schedule to look forward to and a bowl game. Yeah. So, um, again, like it's not the eight turnovers. We're not eight turnovers or eight plays away from being undefeated mm-hmm. in reality. But mm-hmm. we're a handful of things to clean up away from being able to beat all of the rest of the teams on our schedule. Like we're, we're still we're still closer than a lot, a lot of people think. But we'd be foolish mm-hmm. to think that we're going to see – these trends change um, mm-hmm. at least on a dime in, in this next game here. Um, yeah. Throughout the rest of the season. Exactly. Yeah. You're totally, I agree. It's just weird. It's like, I remember when we used to be able to just like talk about a game coming up and be like, yeah, I wonder how much we went by like three touchdowns, whatever. Anyways, next, next subject. And just like completely just show up to the game and just expect to blow them out. But, Who are you looking to watch in this weekend? This weekend, I'm glad you asked. Do you even care? About- uh, I semi care. The top, we have the a top, nine, the, nine a.m. game in the West Coast. The playoff rankings came in, came in last night. Oh, did they? Or I tonight? They come tonight. in tonight. No, they came in tonight. Sorry. Yeah. See, do you even care? No. Uh, Ohio State's not. Uh, that feels whatever. Stupid. That feels real stupid. Yeah. Somebody get Ryan a, Ryan Day some sunscreen for those freaking red cheeks. Glad we don't have to deal with that conversation, right? Yeah, right? yeah. What a loser having to go to the playoffs, and we can just ignore him for another year. Jeez, I have to spend any money? Um, yeah, playing extra games and getting tired and sleepy. Not us. Missouri Georgia. I think that'll be an interesting game. Big test. Missouri for- Georgia is gonna gonna be good. It's the only test left for Georgia until later. I think. Um, I mean, they got Ole Miss in Tennessee, so th- this is their this is their troubling back half of the schedule. We'll see. Be funny to watch the wheels fall off of that, but I'm also just salty. 
Kansas State, um, Army Texas. Air Force. Oh, yeah. Kansas I don't... City, Texas. Yeah. Kansas State, Texas. Some of the... Yeah. Kansas because Texas, State, Texas is Texas is still there, right? I, I, they can find themselves mm-hmm. a way into the playoff. I, I know um, yep. they've got the loss on their schedule, but mm-hmm. they also beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Um, so I think you get yeah. the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of I'll, I'll be at that 9 a.m. noon game. Might as well be 9 a.m. here <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. Now, now. Now pay attention because Virginia Tech and Louisville are playing for the number two spot in the ACC. Somehow, Louisville, or VT is four and four and could be the number two team in the ACC. Well, this is what happens when Clemson isn't good. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, to be fair, like there was a time where we went to like six straight ACC games and played a different coastal team <laughs> every single time. Yeah, we beat all of them. Damn right. Till we till we didn't make it anymore. Until uh, redacted, <laughs> it's just redacted. LSU Bama is a big obvious one. Yeah, I'm more really interested in seeing like none of the SEC teams excite me this year except for seeing what Georgia mm-hmm. can do, especially after Alabama mm-hmm. kind of came out slow. Um, it's really kind of the Big Ten races that, mm-hmm. uh, and now certainly. Looking forward to see Michigan lose every game in um, in horrible fashion for the rest of mm-hmm. the year. It's not going to happen. But just as I was coming around on starting to give them some respect, now they'll, they'll never get respect from me again. Um, mm. That's what that's yeah. what happens if Ben gives you respect. You even, lose it. Even if even if Jim can you know gets non pleated khakis, it's not going to change my my feelings for him. One bet. Going to need so. some red chinos. Yeah. Well, LSU, like they kind of didn't look good at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Gets her what six and two now, but is that game yeah. in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, give me Bama in that game. Here's a game for you: Colorado versus Oregon State. DJU versus Shadur Sanders. Prime versus whoever Oregon State's coach is. Uh, I think a giant beaver. Well. Guessing Colorado is going to leave their uh, their jewelry at home for this one. Oof, got him. That bling stings. Ooh. Kids still <laughs> call it that. They call it bling. I don't know because I don't hang out with eighteen uh, year old college kids. Oh, I I know a lot of new words like mid. Yeah, I've been saying Stan for Dabo this whole time, and I bet about 40% of the podcast is like, what is he saying? He stands up for Dabo? No, it's Stan, like the song Stan by Eminem. Just look up what does Stan for someone mean. It means that like you're going to defend them and you're a big fan of them. Like our new Karen. Yeah, you stand for Karen. No cap on God, busting for real, for real. Don't tempt me. I'll do the Gen Z thing. Okay, Jarrett. Well, hey, let's wrap it there. Another uh, good, long, therapeutic episode. Still got football mm-hmm. to look forward to this year. Um, you know, there's only four games left in the regular season. And as bad as we are when it's over, you're going to miss it. Um, so try yeah, to enjoy course. it. Try to look at the the bright side of the of the games we have coming up, and and hope for the best. And if the worst happens, then I mean, didn't you really expect it anyways? So <laughs> it's only like 
one way to go. It's only, you know, one way to go up here. So, yeah. Um, yep. Thanks to everybody as always for, for joining us here. Um, you know, we didn't mean to take anything out on this Tyler guy. He might be a really good guy. Larry Williams at Tiger Illustrated did an interview with him. So if you have an account there, go over and read that to learn a little about him. Sounds like maybe just some misguided words and misdirected uh, frustration. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think there's probably a little bit of Tyler in all of us. And all right. Uh, up on social media um, at Clemson Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, uh, no Instagram, no Instagram, right? Still no Instagram yet. Awesome. Good job, Jared. I think you're supposed to get I spend too much time on my phone. I'm trying to deep thoughts. We'll All hire right. a guy. We'll see you guys after the Notre Dame game. Probably be sulking, hand it over to Tully and Jarrett. But until next time, as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.